This episode of Dear Asian Americans is brought to you by the Quarter Pounder with Cheese from McDonald's. It's QPC time. Did your mouth just water? The QPC is the burger that breaks the norms of etiquette, the burger that napkins were made for, the burger that's saucy, drippy, oozing with flavor, always cooked when you order. So the next time you want a mouth-watering burger, order the QPC from McDonald's. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Years Americans. If it's your first time here with us, welcome. If it's your 153rd episode with us, I am so grateful that you're here. I am your host, Jerry Wan, and I hope you're hungry for a QPC. I had one today because my daughter wanted to go to McDonald's. And so shout out to McDonald's and thank you to them for sponsoring this episode, as you just heard in the ad. Uh, really excited to share this story with you today about my friend Katrina Torrijos, or with Katrina Torrijos, who is the evangelist for Adobe Express. And Adobe Express is a really cool uh, digital creator tool that we use. And Adobe has really been a great supporter in both of my speaking work and for our uh, a separate brand that we're building uh, dedicated to Asian creators called Always Be Creating. So a uh, big shout out to Adobe for always supporting the work that we do here and the work that I do as a content creator. A uh, special shout out to our friend, Teresa Au, who makes all of that possible. And so uh, we're going to learn a little bit about Katrina's uh, journey from uh, somebody who wanted to make content into now actually helping other people do the same. And so we hope to inspire you to uh, follow the path that uh, you may not see so clearly yet. Maybe it doesn't exist, but I had a really great time learning about Katrina's uh, journey and um, all the wonderful things that she is doing at Adobe. So a uh, big shout out to them and I hope you are continuing to stay healthy and, and safe. Um, it is now summer and so uh, stay cool, uh, stay healthy, stay safe. Uh, we had a little bit of uh, one of our kids being sick all weekend and so um, it's been an interesting week here, but uh, overall, blessed to be here, uh, blessed to be able to spend time with her and nurse her back to health as we um, enter uh, the summer and a lot of great things planned. And so uh, thanks again so much for tuning in and I uh, hope you enjoy this episode. And if you have a chance, please leave us a review on Apple Podcast. If you love it, let us know. If you don't love it, still let us know. Uh, really grateful that you're here. So without further ado... Here now is my conversation with Katrina Torrijos. Hi, friends. Welcome back to the Earth Americans. Uh, so excited to share this conversation uh, with somebody who has done great work in amplifying our stories uh, in a visual way and now has actually uh, is actually working with one of the uh, big brands, one of the biggest brands in visual and audio and video representation of our stories. Um, she is the, the brand ambassador for Adobe Express, and so we are really excited to share this story with, or this conversation rather, with Katrina Torrijos. Hi, Katrina. Hello. Thanks for having me, Jerry. Hi. Uh, well, thank you for being with us. And before we get started, we want to say a big thank you to Teresa Au, who is uh, our mutual friend, uh, who's been such a great, great supporter of my work throughout the years. And it's just been so cool to um, have our friendship evolve into a whole lot of cool stuff, uh, of which this is one. And so, you know, we are talking about storytelling and storytelling for me means obviously a podcast, speaking at companies. It's mostly done through the audio medium. But for you uh, and then the folks at Adobe, 
storytelling means far more than that, right? Of course, there's the audio piece, but you know, whether it is through graphics that we design or decks that we build and you know, videos that we can edit, um, it's super cool. So we're going to learn all about sort of how you became the face and the voice of uh, <laughs> Adobe Express, which why are you laughing? It's the truth. The which face is, of Adobe why? Express. It is. You, you get to it's represent. It's such a big statement. I'm still not used to it. <laughs> your business card says evangelist. And so you are yeah. the face and voice. Uh, yeah. But let's talk about sort of how you came to be. Um, tell us about the Torrios family origin story to America. Um, when, how, and where did your family first come to America? And tell us about the earlier years of Katrina's life. Okay, yes. So how the Torrijos got to America. Okay, wow, this is a big story. Okay, so my mom's, actually my mom and my dad's side both came through different ways. So with my mom's side, um, my grandma was actually born in Oahu, Hawaii. Um, And so she was already there. She had uh, one other sister. Um, Her parents died young. So I don't know anything about my great grandparents or how they got there or anything. That's just really where the story starts and really all that my mom could remember every time I asked her. (laughs) And then um, from there, I know my grandma's sister um, found her husband in Mindanao in the Philippines. Um, So that's how like my grandma decided like, oh, hey. I'll go with you back home to the Philippines. So they went back to the Philippines. And then that's when like my grandma had all like her kids and my mom and stuff. And then but because um, my grandma already had the U.S. citizenship, I think with Hawaii, um, what's it called? It was easy for them. I think it's called naturalization or something um, was was how they were able to get um, my mom's family to the U.S. And then they came to San Francisco or no, actually backing up my mom studied college to uh or college in philippines to become a cna and then she moved to san francisco they all moved to san francisco for like better job opportunities all that stuff um and they just were like it's booming there so i always wondered i always asked my mom was like why didn't you go back to oahu versus san francisco and she was just like at the time like the job market was just like a lot better over there and they wanted to be over there so that's my mom's side And then my dad's side is like the more traditional like immigrant story. Like all of his, all of their family was like born in the Philippines and, oh, I'm also part Chinese. So Mm. that's, that's kind of like the fuzzy part is, um, so like my dad's family is like spent a lot of time like in, um, Philippines and then like some parts of China, which I don't know anything about my Chinese heritage. I'm so sad about it. Still trying to discover it really thinking about doing ancestry or something like that because I'm just so curious. But um, yeah, my dad's side was just all in the Philippines and then they all just, um, they all immigrated to the U.S., my aunt or something. Since she was the oldest, she was tasked with (laughs) getting the whole family over to San Francisco. And like also my dad um, also studied nursing in the Philippines as well. He became an RN. Um, And then... um, they met, uh, he met my mom in San Francisco. They were both working at the same hospital. And then my dad joined the military um, to work in like the military, ho- the army hospital. And then like him and my mom were like traveling everywhere. They went to like Germany. They spent a couple years in Germany, had my oldest sister 
and then uh, did more traveling. I don't know too much about that. My parents have like the worst memory and it just traveled down to me because I also have the worst memory because every time I ask there, it's all bits and pieces. So I'm sorry if it's like a little scattered, if the story is a bit scattered. This is just from what they were able to remember. And then they went back to um, San Francisco. They had my second sister. And then um, after that, then they had me also in San Francisco. I'm the baby, the last one. And yeah, so that's that's kind of like where a lot of my family, like where we put our roots down in um, the Bay Area in SF. So I mean, I don't think your story is unique. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't want to say your story is unique. I don't think you are unique in the way that our family's origin, migration, mm-hmm. you know, other types of history, uh, sometimes intentionally to sort of, you know, protect us from what they deem to mm-hmm. be trauma or other challenging things. You know, we're not alone in not understanding the full reason of migration yeah. or the impact of migration or any of these things where, you know, like, yeah, it makes sense, but how, right? Like, we don't fully understand sometimes. Mm-hmm. Maybe you understand the what happened, but, you know, we definitely uh, go through our bouts of, like, why did any of this stuff happen, right? And so, exactly. Um, no, so I, you know, I mean, I think for all of us, we may understand surface level of why we immigrated here or, you know, how and when. But again, that why piece sometimes I think is, is a, is a little fascinating one because we really don't know. And Mm -hmm. it's totally okay to not know because it was tough. And I think we also have to understand um, for, for um, many of us trying to have a little bit of empathy for understanding what our parents went through and they're not wanting to share things because it's hurtful to remember these things or, you know, Mm -hmm. um, so, NorCal, um, we now know what you do now. You are fully in the social media business. You are an ambassador. You create content. Yes. You um, not only do you create content, you help other people create content. And you know, I in another venue of work uh, for our Always Be Creating brand have also partnered with Adobe. Um, how did that happen? What did you want to do when you were growing up? You know, you mentioned there's a medical background history in your family mm-hmm. specifically. In many of our communities, that is, you know, stereotypically the thing that we are either expected to do or it would really make our parents happy. And not to say that that was your chosen path for you if your parents had a choice. But what did you want to be when you were growing up as a kid? (laughs) Oh, yeah. I came from a family of nurses, typical Filipino (laughs) family household. Almost everyone, almost everyone in my family is, is a nurse. But growing up, I really wanted to be a singer. I really wanted to be a performer, be in entertainment. So like from probably even before I could talk, <laughs> not even talk. Okay, that's that's an exaggeration, but like form sentences. I've been taking piano lessons for a long time, for about 18 years about. And then I also threw in singing lessons for about like 10-ish years or something while I was like, you know, going through grade school. And then... um in high school, I started acting school, like acting lessons on weekends and stuff. Like I was really committed to go into some sort of like performance field. My if if it wasn't if it wasn't nursing, my mom really wanted me to go to the San Francisco Conservatory of Music and study there, study like classical piano or something like that. Um, but beyond that, I really wanted to be like on television, do movies or um, I think as I got older, I started really loving Broadway and live performance. Um, so that's what I 
really, really wanted to do. And I I invested so much time and like uh, research and studying and and money. (laughs) The acting school costed a lot of money. And I was just like really, really gunning for it for a while. And how did, I mean, how were you able to pursue, to what extent were you able to pursue (laughs) that? And again, I mean, you're very, Mm -hmm. very early on in your career. And so never say never, Mm -hmm. right? Like, I just turned 39. I started doing this stuff about three years ago. And so many, many more chapters of your life to be written. But perhaps maybe, how do you practice that creativity? And so whether it's singing or performing and what you do now, it's all sort of in this giant bucket of creative, right? It's Mm -hmm. just a matter of how we express ourselves, whether it's visually or whatever. Um, Yeah. And and how did that turn into sort of what you initially wanted to do? And, and, you know, I I guess for for, for some of our content, Listeners, let's take a step back and, and give context to sort of the world that you grew up in, right? Like, how big of an impact or influence did the world of social media have on you growing up and the way that you could express yourself? You know, um, again, uh, I'm a little older. And so when we were growing up, mm-hmm. the matters in which that you would be able to showcase your talents, whether it was interviewing skills or music or art was still very limited in traditional media, right? Like mm-hmm. somebody had to grant you permission almost to have a radio show or to put your art up on a wall in a gallery. Now the world is just your whole stage and we can own, I mean, again, it brings a little bit of different stresses and different challenges, but nobody has to give you permission to express yourself, which I think is, you know, uh, in and of itself a beautiful thing. How much of that sort of influence did you have growing up and seeing that balancing with mm-hmm. the family pressures, your own pressures, your peer pressures um, of wh- how you saw the expression of your creativity being either limited or encouraged. Yeah. Um, so when I was doing all the studying, I think it was maybe in high school was when Instagram was really just starting and the iPhone. Um, and then so, you know, but then like at the time, like Instagram, I think Facebook also was just like starting up too. So people, you know, were posting like just random like statuses and random pictures and selfies, super highly edited, you know, remember the Hudson filter on Instagram that everyone used and stuff like that. You know, there was only like five filters to choose from. So like that was the extent in terms of like social media. I think the biggest thing for me was the, um, I think the biggest thing for me was being introduced to YouTube because that's when I started seeing people like performing covers and like singing, um, posting videos and doing like short skits and stuff. And like, um, you know, it was when Michelle Fawn was starting <laughs> at that time. So I just remembered like being so interested and so intrigued by like posting YouTube videos. I had like a really... I don't, I don't, I don't even know what kind of camera it was, but it was like a brick. It was like a brick camera. And like, I tried filming on it. The screen was like this small. And I was like, this is terrible quality. It's stuff like that. And like, but I was still like super excited. I like really wanted to post videos. I think on my very first YouTube channel that I used for um, like high school projects and stuff, I would make skits or like covers and stuff. Um, like it, I, I believe it's still there. I think the videos are privated. I don't know, but I was just rem- I would just remembered I just love the entire process of like 
setting up the shot, getting different angles, editing, putting things together, doing voiceovers, color grading. I learned all of that super early on. And I remembered, um, like I started getting my friends involved, like, Hey, like let's, I, I, I started like a, an acoustic band for a hot minute and we were singing lemonade with charity passion at talent shows and stuff and posting covers and like, entering those like competitions at um like at the mall you know they would have like like little talent shows at the mall I would sign up for those like I was really like let's do this um but I think like as excited as I was the limiting the part where you said like you know there's limited things like limited factors that really held me back from uh, going all in um was what's it called lack of I think, okay, I would say the big thing is like the lack of community because I did have some creative friends, but like even from like high school, even until now, I just had to learn that not everyone prioritizes creativity and doing artistic stuff the way that I do. So it was really hard to get friends who were like on board with me to do these projects a lot of the time it would just be me doing like I'm the person in 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 the group project that does like 90% of the work you know <laughs> and like happy to do it and stuff but over time you know it was getting it was getting pretty difficult to get friends together to like come together for a project or something like that or you know finding that community like there are, are a lot of times where I felt like pretty alone especially in the early days of like content creation and social media and stuff when you know it wasn't super like main it wasn't like a mainstream job yet I felt like <laughs> a little bit of a freak <laughs> and the, you know I felt I, I you know I felt the the judgment from folks Why? that probably wasn't even there you know well, I mean but I'm, I'm I mean in hindsight uh jokes on them because the world has gone your way yeah but why <laughs> And and you use a pretty strong word to describe yourself, and uh, I mm-hmm. hope you don't genuinely mean that. But like, why did you think that was? Was it? And, and I guess I'm, what I'm really curious about, sort of, and, and for all of us, right? Like, what is the basis of norm that we mm-hmm. then based what is different on? Right? Like, yeah. Like what? What got us to think that? Like, I mean, look, I, I went to business school, and I do this for a living. Like, it's not what you're supposed to do with a graduate school degree, right? Like, and, and, mm-hmm. and perhaps people can, people not now, but like in the years past could have said about something, somebody like you that chose this path of, you know, and, and we're seeing it now, right? Like, you know, what do you mean you're making videos for a living? Well, there's like very wealthy video creators. Or what mm-hmm. do you mean you write newsletters for a living? You send out one email a week and make money. It's like, yeah, there's a lot of our friends who make newsletters for a living. And, mm-hmm. and I think we, we sort of prove ourselves right, especially for, uh, tackling our creativity in a new medium. Um, but I'm, I'm curious a little bit to dig in a little bit there, sort of what you were sort of combating in terms of your own decision to go down this path. And again, I'm not, we've all deal with it. We've all dealt with it, but sort of dealing with what was quote unquote to be expected of you versus what you knew in your heart with a lot of fear and self-doubt, of course, to be mm-hmm. true. Um, how, how did you balance that? Um, how did I balance that? Oh my gosh. I feel like I'm still balancing it. Like, Mm. I think in, uh, I think a large part of it did come from like high school (laughs) and being like, 
picked apart. You know, that whole like adolescence and like coming of age phase that a lot of us go through and stuff. And I I don't know. I just feel like I had a I had a great high school like experience, but there were there definitely were moments where I was picked apart by like teachers and peers and stuff criticizing how I looked. I was in dance. I I did <laughs> I I was on the dance team like and I would get criticized for like how I would do a certain move or how my body moves in general naturally. You know, things I can't really control. I can train to make it look different, but you know, things I couldn't control. And I think also just being part of like doing like all the artsy stuff, like the piano lessons, singing lessons, acting lessons, you're just constantly criticized and you're constantly told like you need to do like, especially with piano, you have to play it a certain way or like there would be, I there would be times where I would be playing like piano or practicing in front of my dad and he would literally like stop me and just tell me like, there's no feeling in it or like there's no heart in it. You're just playing it. There's no passion. There's no, you know, it doesn't feel like I'm in it. And so just like having that like constant, I don't think it's a reminder, but like just having, just being constantly criticized over my art and like being told to like change this, change that, do more of this, do less of that. It's just, I think over time subconsciously, it just kind of messed with my head telling me like I'm good enough but then on but then it's weird because there I'll have moments where I know I'm killing it and I know I'm doing a good job and like things are good but there are sometimes where I'm just like oh maybe maybe I need to change this about myself or like maybe I shouldn't be too out there because of what so-and-so might think or stuff like that I think it's just subconscious at that point <laughs> I, I mean I, I think there's a lot in what you shared right and I think um mm -hmm. not to uh, put words in your mouth but perhaps I think when our you know our parents just really had a different time growing up yeah and um they showed love in a different way because what parent doesn't love their kid and I think sort of it you know because I deal with this stuff too I just sort of um, I think my parents grew and evolved a lot in the last, you know, five, 10 mm -hmm. years since I decided to take this path and sort of understanding that sacrifice is made and result of sacrifice are two separate things and that, you know, we should be allowed to choose our own paths and the encouragement factor, or I think, you know, how we show love and how we show affection, I think are, are, are two different types of conversations. And without being said, uh, parents, if you're listening, encourage your kids, please. There's, Yes. Whatever you, whatever they do, however well or crappy they do it, um, you know, we have, we have two tiny kids of our own, five and three. And, you know, we always, my wife and I constantly check ourselves because we grew up in a different era with different parents. And mm -hmm. similar to you, Katrina, some of these, maybe, you know, just passing by comments of negativity or discouragement, to put it nicely, they still with us today. And so, yeah, you know, um, but how, so... From from there, um, when, how did you know or when was it a point where you wanted to take the creativity as your full-time endeavor? Um, you know, was it a, a side hustle through college? Was it figuring out, hey, this is what I want to do and damn it, I'm going to figure out a way to make it work? <laughs> and, you know, again, I, I think you're so amazingly early in your journey that this is going to mm -hmm. be one of many, many chapters to be written. But it's really nice to take a moment to reflect now because it is a big deal that you're working with a big brand and it is a big deal that you get to live out your passion. 
and, and yeah. call it a job. Um, self-doubt included. When, when did you know that this could be a thing? Yeah. Social media so, in general. Yeah. So it's, this is a story, Jerry. <laughs> this is yeah. a long story. Um, but I knew that I wanted to be on YouTube and have a platform. Um, so I start actually started a lifestyle vlogging channel or something when I was a sophomore in college. And so I was just doing like fun little vlogs really to just document, um, my time and like, you know, share some like lifestyle tips. That's when like beauty and like fashion and stuff were super in. So I would do like the monthly favorites videos and stuff like that. But I mostly did vlogs and uh, largely I did that because, um, I'm actually rationally terrified of um losing my memory <laughs> when I get older and so like this was kind of like my video diary for me to like look back on um for when I'm older and I forget you know key moments in my life or something like that I just feel like it's a nice like reminder but um after college like I was like okay well what now <laughs> because it's always been um like vlogging and stuff was, you know, honestly just a hobby for me. And I really wanted to go, I really wanted an office job because that was taught to me. <laughs> you've, you've, you've made it kind of, <laughs> if I just had like an office job that paid the bills full time with benefits, all that stuff. Um, so that was the original goal. But um, my first two years post-grad, I actually had like the crappiest luck with holding down a job because I just I landed I landed like one tech job and then I just I, I mean just to keep it short I basically got laid off like three times in a year um not it maybe not in a year maybe in the span of like a year and a half or so but I was just having like the worst luck and it it wasn't because like I was like I don't think I was a crappy worker I don't think so but it, it was just a lot of like um What's it called? How do I say this? Not the healthiest working environments. <laughs> and so, yeah, so I got laid off like three times and I was just like, I remembered sitting in uh, like my grandparents um, basement, basement house, whatever. And I was just like, why is this like not working out for me? Like, why? What am I doing wrong? Why is it so hard to hold down a job I'm not doing anything like getting like that I don't think is getting me fired. Like I'm just they just decided, you know, you're being let go. And it, it just took a really big, really big toll on my mental health. I actually took a month off of working um, or like trying to find work because I was just like, I cannot living in the Bay. It is not cheap. So money is on my ass and student loans are starting to come back and people are starting to ask for payment and stuff like that and you know phone bills all that stuff like it, it was just like too much so I was like you know I saved up enough for a month and uh, you know I'm just gonna reflect take a step back maybe there's something you know I need to make some adjustments looked at my resume all that stuff and then I think I just realized I had to think like why am I trying so hard to break into this whatever industry I was trying to go for, some generic tech industry. I didn't even have I didn't even have a direction, Jerry. I think I was working in like AR VR, doing some stuff for like computer science people, and I have no experience. I graduated with sociology, a bachelor's in sociology, so totally unrelated. But I was really trying to like 
trying so hard to just lock down that like business admin job <laughs> that everyone is like talking about and you know have that full-time job and be good that I was just like maybe I had to like take a step back and be like why am I trying so hard you know I really want to have a creative job and yeah I did not graduate with graphic design or anything you know no I'm not a film major or anything like that like I have zero ex experience from college from doing this but I've done a lot of cool projects like the YouTube channel I was in my Filipino club and I was <laughs> I did a lot of like acting there and singing I was in an acapella group I um what's it called I was the chair of like our what's it called annual production mm. um and like you know I did a lot of creative projects so I had to literally sit down with myself and just make that mental switch of instead of putting all my creativity in the hobby section, in the special skills section, and putting it in the work experience section of my resume and just like completely like just flip everything that I knew upside down and then just made creativity the forefront. And it was scary as heck <laughs> rewriting everything. And I remembered like I think that night at like 2, 3 a.m. I was like I – I was so inspired. I, what's it called? I signed up for Squarespace and I made like a blog or a website overnight so that I could post my videos, write blog posts. I was a blogger back then. Um, so I did a lot of writing. So I was doing all of that. And, um, you know, I pretty much put up the entire blog in a night and I was like, you know, let's see where this goes. I'm gonna just keep writing for this entire month that I'm off doing all the creative works putting out more YouTube videos, more vlogs, all that stuff. And then I had to have this conversation with my mother. The next day I called her up and I was like, hey, mom. She was like, yes. And I was like, so I'm about to do something a little scary. But, you know, trust me, though. Trust me. Don't worry. I got this. And then she's like, whoa, what's happening? And I was like, so I think I'm going to become a full-time blogger. And then she's like, the heck is that? <laughs> And I was like, you know, those videos that I make on YouTube and, you know, I I write on the Internet and, you know, I do a lot of these creative projects. I do video editing for other people and all that stuff. And she's like, yeah. And I was like, I'm going to try and make this my full time job. I don't know how, but I need you to trust me that I'll figure it out. <laughs> and then she was like, uh, I mean, it's your life. As long as you can make your bills and it makes you happy, then go for it. So, yeah, she was a little scared, but I, you know, I, I'm blessed that my mom could trust me that I, I could figure it out. But that was how the phone call went. And since then, it's been a lot of job searching, internship. Eventually, that month ended and mm. had to pay the bills. So I actually swallowed all the ego and pride that I had and went back to working in the service industry, which mm. I vowed not to do because I did it all throughout high school and college. I was a waitress. I worked in food for like a lot of my life. And in um, what's it called for the two years and postgrad, I was I felt like I was finally out of it. So I just had to like really just be like, you know what? Bigger picture. Let's take a few steps back. I know I'm good at the food industry, I have a lot of experience and a lot of years here. Let's just do this for now to make the bills, but on the side, start running this thing. 
you know, getting experience, booking like side gigs, um, brand deals, sponsored posts, whatever, clients, all that stuff, freelance. So that was my life for like about a year or two, actually. Uh, yeah, like two years or so. And then eventually, like, I booked an in- unpaid internship with this um, small uh, business, a shoe brand called Sucho Footwear in San Francisco. And they they really put me through the ringer. Like, I learned how to take product photos. I learned how to work with influencers and do, like, influencer marketing for the product. Um, I learned how to, like, make TikToks because TikTok was coming out and Reels and Instagram stories and all that stuff. So I was really getting a lot of practice in with social media content creation. And um, when I was, oh, and I was working with one of the influencers. He was actually a um, designer for Adobe Spark as his full-time job. And one time on random day, I was looking for a full-time job. I was in that season. I was like, I need a full-time job now. So (laughs) uh, he actually tagged me on a Facebook post of his old manager who put out a job ad saying that they're looking for a social media manager or a program that Adobe used to run called um, uh, the Adobe Design Achievement Awards, which is now retired. And then so I was like, you know what? It's a, it was a part-time thing and it was supposed to be like a nine-month contract. So I was like, you know what? Like, I'll just apply to it. I'm pretty sure they get like a million applicants. I'll just apply, throw my name in the hat. Yeah, it's part-time. It's not full-time, but it's Adobe. You know, and who who knows? Maybe this nine months could potentially, you know, be a full time thing if they like me. Whatever. I was like super optimistic, like things could change. And so I applied for it. I didn't expect to get it or anything because it took like a two weeks, I think, to hear back a week or two. And literally, Jerry, the day <laughs> there was one day where I got a job offer for a taxidermy company to do marketing for them. And it was the only job that I had like lined up. The offer was lined up. But I took like two, three days to get back to them because I was just like, it does not feel right. It does not feel aligned. Like, so I just said no. But then my logical part of the brain was like, are you freaking crazy? This is the only job you had (laughs) and you turned it down. But I was like, you know, it's okay. It's okay. (laughs) There's something better for me out there that will feel more right. You know, it's fine. (laughs) And then uh, literally like two days after I got the offer for Adobe to like meetups to start doing the interviews and stuff. And then then I was working part time at Adobe as a social media manager for Adobe Awards. And then from there, kept working. And then two years later, almost three, now I'm here, Adobe Evangelist, full-time. It turned into a full-time job. (laughs) So that's awesome. Congratulations. Yeah. Um, What is that? What do you do? I mean, Adobe Evangelist sounds super cool. Uh, Give us a glimpse of a day-to-day or a week-to-week in that role. Okay. So how I explain the Adobe Evangelist role I'm basically like an in-house creator at Adobe. That's how I like to look at it. So I put on a ton of workshops and live streams. And um, I also create social contents for their YouTube channel, sometimes for their Instagram, TikTok, whatever, um, all about Adobe Express. So I'm kind of like the person, as you said, as I hate to say it, 
the face of Adobe Express. And then the second half of the job is I also help build and foster community around the product. So it's also more customer facing things like answering questions. Um, what's it called? Doing like the live streams and the sessions that I hold, like they're almost like office hours. So I'll ask like on, I'll answer on the spot questions. I'll do like demos for people, teach them how to use the product, make them feel good um, about using Adobe Express. So yeah, that's kind of like what I do (laughs) in a nutshell. And what has this meant for you to do what you do uh, in terms of um, maybe something inspirational for a younger version of Katrina for a bunch of younger creators specifically you know creators of color women creators those of us that you know come from marginalized communities and the data still says that even in a democratized creator world that we don't get paid as much that we don't get as many opportunities Um, and we also as we talked about quite at length today sort of the challenges that we have with our own opportunities based on family and cultural expectations um, what mm-hmm. does that mean for you specifically, Katrina, to sit in this chair and and have a role of being the representative of a company that means so much more than just, you know, creating artwork? Yeah. Honestly, it means a lot. <laughs> it means so much to me. I remember interviewing for the um, the role and, you know, the one of the things like they asked was... Um, you know, like what kind of, I can't remember the exact question, but essentially it's like what you ask, like, what does this position mean to me? You know, like what I want, what do I want to do with the role? And my answer right out the gates was, you know, bring representation to the table, you know, bring a new voice and new perspective, someone who looks like maybe people of color, you know, just kind of be, not, I don't want to say I'm, I'm, I can't be the voice of everybody, you know, but, you know, I just wanted to be able to inspire folks to see, you know, a woman of color, a young woman of color <laughs> um, representing a big product like Adobe Express and being able to be creative and pursue a full-time role in the creative career and, you know, inspire them that, you know, they can do it too, really. Um, and it's, it's just... I don't even know if I can formulate the full sentences for this because I know it's it's more than that more than that like throughout my entire life being an advocate for the Asian American community and you know people of color women like has been a priority for me with everything that I do honestly to just see someone like me in this space because at the time when I was starting out I didn't see anyone, you know, <laughs> like starting my YouTube channel and all that stuff. I did not see a lot of Filipino w- women creators on the internet. That's honestly like back to what you were saying, Jerry, like with the whole limiting factors. That was actually one of the things that was limiting me because I wasn't seeing my face on these television screens or anything. So immediately I just thought it's not going to happen for me because I'm not white (laughs) and I don't have those connections so I've that's how really I talked myself down from getting into entertainment Mm. was because of that and now that I am essentially living my dream this is this is my dream job you know I want to be that example for students or really any the, the next generation of creators like you know to see and you know just 
see that it is possible for them. And yeah, it's well. No, it's thank tough. you for that. I mean, it is. <laughs> it really is true. You know, we, um, you know, I, I don't think the statement representation matters is enough. I think proper representation matters, and yeah. the way that you are using this platform to advocate for young folks, women of color, creators of color, um, Asian American, you know, uh, Filipina specifically, because it matters the specific specificity of representation mm-hmm. and then how you amplify our voices. And so um, in our signature way that we wrap our show, we ask all guests to speak a letter to the audience, whether that be a younger version of Katrina or some family member, young person who looks up to you and looks up to the work that you're doing. Um, help us finish out the show. Uh, we'll do it in the form of a letter. So I'll say the years Americans and you just help us finish it out. Speak to them. And help us finish out the show uh, by completing the letter, Dear Asian Americans. Don't be afraid to pursue your passion as a full-time career. Even though if you feel like you have no connections, no idea of how to get there, or even what it's going to look like, just think about almost everything that you're passionate about or everything that you love doing and pursue that. I mean, it's such a scary shift (laughs) and it goes against probably, it'll probably go against a lot of what is expected of you and a lot of what seems logical or of what you're supposed to do. But I promise you that you will feel more fulfilled and aligned with your purpose and what you feel you are meant to do in this world when you prioritize what you love to do first. That's Perfect. It. That's it. Yeah, we'll do that. No, listen, I mean, <laughs> yeah. you know, um, as, as closing thoughts, one, I want to say thank you. And, and two, um, you know, my encouragement to you, Katrina, is take your own advice right? Own it. You know, I know that we were taught all our lives to be humble. And Mm -hmm. that was code word for don't, you know, we were taught not to brag, but talking about ourselves simply was also interpreted as bragging. So it's always don't ever talk about yourself, right? And part of why Mm -hmm. I do what I do on this show is to help provide a platform for me to hype you up to hype other guests up and so that we can do that collectively with each other. So that we can all normalize us coming out into these spaces confidently like the badasses that we are and to unlearn mm-hmm. a lot of these cultural things that make us feel guilty about celebrating objective things that we've achieved. Hello, yeah. you are the evangelist of a global multi-bazillion dollar company whose legacy is rooted <laughs> in creating content. We just didn't call it that way, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's you. You've earned it. And we can justify ourselves, oh, this or that. They chose you for a reason. They believe in for your reason. You know, they pay you for a reason because they know that the work is good and that you're going to help them grow even more. And so I am so happy for you. I am so proud of you. I am glad that we met through Teresa and our wonderful friends at Adobe who, you know, I mean, has has blessed you and has blessed me. And, you know, now this definitely sounds like a paid advertisement, but really, (laughs) you know, it it takes friends. And I think sometimes when we think about brands, it seems faceless. But, you know, at least for me, you know, Teresa specifically has gone out of her way to support the work that we do both as a speaker and, and as a content creator. And so uh, what you're doing matters more uh, because 
I know we're talking about content today, but Katrina and everybody else, much more than the content, it is the context through which we create and view and consume the content that helps us understand how it is that we specifically, whatever your identity, that we can grow from that and to learn from that. And so you being exactly where you are is amazing. It's wonderful. Thanks so much for joining us. For everybody else, go use Adobe products. Keep <laughs> Katrina happy, busy, and employed. Um, wonderful stuff. Oh. Thanks so much for joining us today. And best of luck in the rest of your career. Yes, thanks, Jerry. <laughs> thanks again to Katrina for making time for this conversation. Thanks again to our friends at Adobe, in particular, Teresa Au, for the introduction and for making this interview possible. Download Adobe Express. Go to the website, adobe.com slash express to explore all the different wonderful tools that you can use in your own creator journey. Um, as I mentioned at the top of the show, we use a lot of Adobe products here at Just Like Media, home of the Years of Americans, the Chanchi Show, always be creating and all of our wonderful brands to help us create uh, some of the things that you see and you hear. And so grateful to them. TheYearsAmericans.com is where you'll find all of our older episodes. At the Years of Americans on Instagram is where you'll find us. If you are listening to us, this if you are listening to this uh, as it is being aired on June 10th. Um, oh, it's my brother's birthday today. Happy birthday to Jay if you've made it this far into the episode. Um, if you're listening to us uh, before June 15th, we got an event happening in San Francisco at the Wing. Uh, check us check us out on our Instagram page, and you'll find more information there. We got another event in LA on June 17th. And we have an amazing event with uh, Dr. Jenny Wang again in here in L.A. on June 18th. And we have a virtual event on June 16th. All the information you'll be able to find on our Instagram page at Americans. JerryWan.com is where you can find me. If you want to reach out to me personally, Jerry at JerryWan.com is the email address that you can send your note to. If you got a few seconds, if you're on your phone already, would highly appreciate you so much if you went to the review page of Apple Podcasts and gave us five stars and tell us why you love the show. Uh, all of those little things really help us in getting the show discovered and uh, continues to help us do what we do. Thanks again so much uh, for everything that you do to support the show, listening, sharing. Uh, for those of you who support us financially, thank you. Uh, none of this would be possible without your help. And so really, really appreciate you. Uh, please continue to stay safe and healthy. Uh, starting to hear uh, so many f uh, stories of friends with COVID and uh, getting sick. And so uh, please stay healthy. Please stay safe. I am your host, Jerry Wan of The Years of Americans, and I will see you next time.